Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Columbus Bible Study Podcast. Uh, My name is Grant Millard, and today's podcast is going to be Chris Casto sharing the steps to obedience with us. Uh, If you want to see the handout that he references and the chart that he is walking us through, uh, please go to the Columbus Bible Study dot wordpress.com and you'll be able to see a filled out version of that uh, worksheet that I put together and that way you can follow along with the rest of the message so thanks so much and we hope you enjoy it so uh, we'll pray here in a second but just kind of give you an idea like what we're looking at kind of walking through Um, it's really like the road traveled to obedience um, with the idea that there's, and I'm not saying like this is like, oh, this is it. Like this is, this is how it works. And, you know, based on scripture and based on the things I've seen in my life and experience, I think this, I think it makes sense that we kind of, that I think um, Ben used the, uh, Ben and uh, uh, Grant were talking about process. Like uh, Ben's like, yeah, it's a, he understands the process of playing the piano. And I think that's kind of how obedience and, and you know somewhat brokenness works with God is is there's a process. So there's kind of you know five steps, and we'll kind of walk through it, and I'll try to keep it as short as we can, and not go too long. So um, with that, uh, Ben, since I've picked on you quite a bit already in the last three minutes from what this says, uh, I'll let you go ahead and pray for us. Does that work? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, God, I just want to thank you for allowing us to be here. Um, just pray that you'll yeah just bless uh, Chris and the message you've. Uh, place on his heart to share. Um, yeah, it's pretty uh, use it to, uh, yeah, touch our lives, show us how we need to change in any way, and apply as we go forward. In your holy name, amen. Amen. Um, so I think that when I look at obedience and I try to, you know, begin to try to define that, and I think, you know, it's important to realize, like, I think this is just a beginning process on what obedience is. Uh, I look at obedience as it's, it's a place of understanding um, and, and, that, meaning that application on the relationship with God, and it's a place of reliance or trust. That obedience begins with I trust that God has my best interests at heart. And I think when we disobey, we typically are what we're really saying in our heart is that I know more or I know better than than God. Um, and I think that I, I understand that and see that maybe differently now that I have kids, because as I've kind of Giving instructions to my kids, it's like, do, do you really, do you not trust what I'm, like, I'm, I'm giving you information or giving you guidance or command or direction um, that, that is for your best interest, yet you go and do something else. Why is that? And I think it's because it's, I don't trust that, they don't trust that I have the best interest at heart. And that's gained over time. Um, and we've seen that as our kids kind of grow. Um, I think it's a process. I think it's a process of me decreasing and him increasing that John three thirty principle that uh, John the Baptist is saying that uh, he must I must hit decrease and he must increase the Galatians two twenty um, if you guys know that one just uh, does everybody know Galatians two twenty can you quote it for the guys who may not I've been crucified with Christ there's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me this life I live now I live by faith in the Son of God who uh, it's it's that principle, it's the Luke 9.23 principle that I'm going to uh, 
deny myself daily and pick up my cross and follow him. Um, I think it's this, I think the other thing I have realized and throughout my life is that um, the process is is not easy and it's not fun. In fact, I was in my quiet time in Hebrews the other day, um, in Hebrews 12, 11. Um, I memorized this a long time ago. It's been a while since I've reviewed it, so I'm going to read it and make sure I get it right. Uh, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. That the development and the process of developing obedience and developing the trust and reliance and the, the, um, the relationship with God, uh, sometimes it's not easy. And sometimes it's not fun. And, but if we stick with it, and we'll talk through some of these verses that Paul's going to uh, address, if we just stay with it, that there's a peaceful fruit that's coming, um, and a peaceful, peaceful fruit of righteousness. Um, yeah, I think it's also, when I look at the stages or the process, I think it really is a process of me growing in grace and mercy, and growing in respect to my salvation. Um, you know, and that's the First Peter 2.2, 2, that we're, we're, we're going to work out or we're going to grow in respect to our salvation. Um, does anybody know um, the First uh, Peter 2.2 2 verse? Just as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Yeah. And it's, it's that, you know, how do we grow? Uh, we grow through time in the word. We grow through a living life, um, and we're growing in respect to that salvation. Um, so the other thing I would say before I kind of jump in, and I say all these things in preparation, because I want to make sure that we kind of see, like, this isn't me, like, oh, I'm going to, this is, this is it, and we're not going to hit on other things. Like, I think this is a piece or a part of the puzzle. That I think it's an important part of the puzzle. I don't think it's all-inclusive. And I think that as I kind of share some of these stages, you're probably going to see like, yeah, but we could probably talk about, yeah, like I did too. And I'm trying to like, okay, I'm not, I can't go to that passage. We can't look at that because we just don't have the time. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not Paul. So if you fall out of the window and die, I cannot raise you back. You're done. <laughs> this is it. Um, so we, we, we're just done. Um, so with some of that in mind, like, you know, look at it is, okay, here's some pieces of the puzzle that we can begin to put in place and put together. Are you referring to when the disciples lowered him out of the window in the basket? Were you? No, there's a, there's, a, there's a passage in, yeah. in Acts where Paul is teaching and he like preaches beyond midnight and this guy is sitting on a window seal and he gets really tired, falls asleep, falls, breaks his neck and dies. And then Paul's, and then Paul, <laughs> and then, and Paul's like, oh, here you go. And he just heals him and then they go back to the preaching. And he's like, whoa, I still got more to say. Like he's got, he's like, we gotta go, we gotta go. Yeah. And it's I like, feel like yeah. that would stick out. It, well, it, it's kind of a like a three or four yeah. verse Stop story. Much. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were talking about when he got lowered in the basket. Paul, Paul was so boring with the guy. Yeah. After <laughs> like, it says that Paul spoke like what is it like all night and then he then he falls asleep and dies. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I you know after a while I mean I guess it happens but I can't ra- I can't raise you from the dead you're dead if so we're like okay we're so, gonna so Chris is saying that he if he bores us to death then he can't. Raise yeah, We're I don't know what you're referencing. So now this funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that I know. Yeah, it's okay. He's like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, all right, so I, I will try to. So I'll try to draw this out the best I can and, and kind of put passages down. But I, I, you know, you got the paper. That's where you take notes. Hopefully, it makes sense. Um, if it doesn't, I think it makes sense. Um, 
That's my little. Um, so, so, so stage one. So stage one, I think, is like this is um, really the, the newfound faith. This is like this is where uh, the, everything is new. Um, this is where uh, if if we were to kind of say like, what are some of the attitudes or what are some of the the thoughts like we have in this situation or at stage one and and really it is i'm a sinner in need of a savior like that's like the first step in obedience right that i'm a sinner i need a savior i need rescue i need jesus um so we'll look at romans 10 uh verses 9 through 13 so if somebody wants to jump there and then if somebody else wants to look at john 6 67 through 69 So if somebody, whenever you get to them, go for it. Okay. Uh, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth scripture or confession is made unto salvation. The scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah, I don't think there's a passage that is more clear on how we um, accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I think the, the key part in, that I look at with Romans 10, 9, and 10, and, and then the following verses, is that there's two distinct um, uh, um, ideas of who Jesus is. He is Lord and He is Savior. Um, and it, there, we can't have one without the other it is both and and when we're in this early phase of of our our newfound faith um, that we are looking and saying i need uh the lord and i need my savior i need him for all that he is i'm not trying to get out of a, a, a get out of jail free card this is or get out of hell free card um this is um me saying i, I want to follow and i want to commit my life to Jesus, and I want to do what Jesus says. Therefore, um, when I make that heart decision, therefore I'm going to follow him. Then I can be saved. Um, John six sixty seven through sixty nine. Six six or sixty seven. I got it. Um, so Jesus said to the twelve, "Do you want to go as well?" And Simon Peter answered him, "Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life." And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Yeah, yeah it's like, it's, it's coming to, when when I say newfound faith, and the way I see that, it's like, there's no one except Jesus. Like, it is, I've, I've decided and realized that, where, should, where else should I go? I got nowhere to go except for Jesus. So, the uh, areas of struggle or cost... Like, you know, as a new Christian, like when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, like there were things I struggled with, like right out of the gate. Um, I struggled with, uh, uh, you know, the, the temptation or the desire to go drink and go party. And um, those those things were a cost to give, you got to give that junk up. Um, I gave that up. Uh, I, it cost me friends. It cost me family. It cost me something when I decided I'm going to commit my life to Jesus. Um, 
my high school friends that I would go and spend time with and party with and do all that stuff with, uh, once they found out that I was a Christian and I shared my faith and said, I, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus, uh, they're, they're gone. They're out of the picture. Um, uh, I'm, I was a Bible thumper and they're gone. Uh, they, they don't want anything to do with me. But the flip side of that is what I received and uh, the backside was um, lifelong friends and these friendships of a Jonathan and David type of friendship, knitting the heart together um, through that process, through this process as I've kind of grown through my life. But it's going to cost. I mean, it, it cost me friends. Um, it cost me relationships. Um, you know, and, and thankfully, it cost me some of the, the sin and the junk in my life. And some of those struggles were, were just gone um, and, and, or slowly taken out. I think Grant did a great job in kind of sharing some of this with with us last week. What that means to come to um, follow Jesus, and what it means to say I'm going to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and what is it that I'm pursuing. Um, all right, so we won't hang out with that too much. Um, so stage two is um, it's the it's early trials. So this is where things start to, to pick up. Um, it's no longer, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, all right, we're ready to go. This is where things are going to pick up the pace a little bit. And now I've got to start to live out my, my faith. I've got to start to live out and live in this grace and mercy that I've uh, just received. Um, so we're going to look at a couple of passages, Romans 5, um, 1 through 5. I mean, we could pick like the whole book of James, but we won't. So we'll just pick James 1, 1 through 25. Um, so the first chapter. Yeah, chapter 1, first 1, 25. But it's like, I'm not getting, there's like a couple of verses left. Now. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, there is a, another passage, and we kind of hit on some of it, Luke. So we're not going to look at all these. I think we'll look at some pieces in James, but we'll definitely look at Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. The whole... Uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. I'm at Luke. Oh, oh yeah, I'm, getting, I'm right here. Okay. Yeah, it's Luke uh, 9, 18, 27. The main thing in that passage is, is the uh, denying myself, taking the cross. Um, so, as we get ready to, so if somebody wants to pick up James, I think we'll, if we, I think if you guys are fine and you're comfortable with, with spending a little bit of time, we'll read James. I think it's important. I think we could probably read James and walk away and say, okay, that's it. Like, that's all of it. Um, the whole, the whole book. The, that's the whole, like, no, just James 1, like, through, the, you know, through, like, the verse 25. I think we did, like, that covers all the stages right there. Um, I think if we can, if you guys are comfortable and staying to, in, and having a little bit longer, if somebody can read James, I think it'd be great. Because um, I think it's really good. And we won't read all the big passages and whatnot. Um, some of the attitudes before we kind of jump into that, or, you know, like, uh, it's a sense of responsibility. That I'm beginning to take my faith and I'm going to start having some responsibility in this relationship. Um, 
you know, some of the things that we may say as we're in this stage is, uh, I really don't like this. This is unpleasant. Uh, but I'm going to press on because I know um, it, it's, it's for my best. So I, I don't like I don't like having to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and press on. Um, all right, so who's got Romans 5? You got it? Okay, yeah. Romans 5, chapter, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. I had it. Okay. We have been made right with God because of our faith. Now we have peace with him because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through faith in Jesus, we have received God's grace. In that grace we stand. We are full of joy because we expect to share in God's glory. And that's not all. We are full of joy even when we suffer. We know that our suffering gives us strength to go on. The strength to go on produces character. Character produces hope. And hope will never let us down. God has poured his love into our hearts. He did it through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. Yeah, the... Uh... Um, when I was looking through Romans 5, uh, you know, kind of referencing back to, to Grant's message last week, like, you know, we're here to glorify God. And part of, you know, according to Romans 5, part of glorifying God and part of being part of that, that quote-unquote glory is going through some trials and tribulations. Um, that we're going to suffer. Um, that we're going to go through some uh, tough times, but it's for a purpose. And the purpose is, is to... Uh, uh, have perseverance, proven character, and ultimately we're going to have hope. Um, so I think it's, and I think you know, again, it's like I, as I look through this, like this is, uh, this is, I think as we continue to go through this, like it's, it's more and more uh, for me. It, it was more and more understanding what grace is and, and what mercy really looks like um, as we live it out. Um, but this is where you know we start having tough decisions in our life. Um, you know, how are we going to deal with temptation? Um, how are we dealing with my own self-will, my desires versus God's desires? Um, some of those kind of things. So, um, do you guys want to read James 1? Or I can just kind of hit some highlights if I'm you want. All right. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ and the twelve tribes and the dispersion greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flowers fall and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. 
Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the, by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Knowing this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Sheesh. He, went, he goes full. Yeah. It's a, a soul. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, so it's like, yeah, what he said. Like, that's yeah. like what he said. That's that. Uh, yeah, you know, just some kind of highlights that I kind of pick up from there that I think are important for us to make sure we catch is that uh, James is considering it, it's, it's, he considers it joy to go through the trials. Like, it is joyful to go through the trials. Um, knowing that, it, that the, the testing um, is going, a testing of his faith is going to produce endurance. Like, that, that process of, I, I consider it joy. I know it's going to come, so therefore I'm willing to go through it. And that, that's, that, you know, uh, you know, a sense of responsibility that I'm starting to see, I know what's going to happen if I go through this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick it out. I don't like it, but I'm going to stick it out. Um, the uh, you know, being made complete and lacking nothing. Um, I think verse 5 is interesting. He, he comes right on the backs of that and says, if you don't understand or you lack wisdom, ask. Huh, that's an interesting place to put that verse, and I think it's very, it, it fits because when we say, he's saying, um, you know, consider joy, go through this, endurance, and persevere, etc. But if you don't understand what I'm trying to say, you need to ask about, ask God, so He can provide the direction for you, so you understand what we're trying to get to. Um, the, uh, uh, I think verses 13 and 14 where He's talking about being carried away by my own desires. Um, you know, there's three words here, and I know it's hard to read because my writing stinks, but temptation, self-will, and a life of convenience. I'm being um, pulled away by my own desires. Like, I look back at my life when I you know, began to try to figure out what am I supposed to do and have some sense of responsibility in my Christian walk, and the things that I struggled with was I wanted certain things in my old life. I wanted the nice car. I wanted the girlfriend. I wanted the. I wanted all of those things, and so I I focused on what I wanted and in my self will, and, and some of the life of convenience. Um, so I put myself on the throne at times. And in fact, it was to a point where you know one point in my life where I was engaged at one point to uh, this young Christian girl. I was a young Christian. Seems great. She's pretty. I think I'm kind of pretty, but. Um, and uh, we're both Christians, so yeah, yeah, this thing, this makes sense. Uh, so I wanted to be loved, and I wanted to fill that void in my life, and so I filled it with with uh, with someone else. 
and, and only to later realize that um, that desire or that life of convenience and my self-will um, was the very thing that was taking me, off, taking me off the path that I needed to go on. It was my own self that carried me off. It was my own desire. You know, if you hear, you, you've probably heard me say, we tempt Satan more than he tempts us. That's because our own desires are going to carry us in those areas. Um, you know, the last part is putting aside sin and be a doer of the word. Like, you know, we got to do it. Like, it's a sense of responsibility. Like, um, we've got to begin to apply and put some trust into this thing. Um, all right. We'll move on. Um, step three is, is where we get into lordship. So, lordship, um, again, it's like just this treasure trove of verses. So I'll give you the references, and I'll just kind of hit some highlights for the sake of time, and from some of the shorter ones we'll read. Um, like one of the ones we'll read is uh, if we can do Luke 14, 25 through 35. That's only 10 verses, so. 14, 25 through 35? Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the other ones is Matthew 6, 9 through 34. So some of you guys know Matthew 6, 33, right? Um, the other one, there's... The other part is Romans 12, 1, 2. Um, yeah, so some of the attitudes here um, is, is I'm, I'm resigning to God's plan. I'm recognizing and I'm resigning to God's plan. And, you know, this is kind of like some of the things that we would, it's all, I got like, it turned out, give me a better. Um, like, I'm, you know, some of the attitudes, um, if I don't let go of these areas, uh, God's going to break me. Um, God's going to break them and break my hold of them. Um, I'm going to yield to what God wants. So I'm going to yield to God's plan or I'm going to resign to what God says. I'm going to. I'm, I'm in. So, you know, I, I've, I've uh, as I've become a new Christian and like, okay, start my faith. I'm starting to deal with some of these early trials. And now, lordship starts to happen. So, if uh, somebody wants to read the Luke 14, 25 through 35. And a large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife, children and brothers and sisters. Yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider, consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. 
so that none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all that his all his own possessions. Uh, 34 or 35. Okay. Therefore, salt is good. But if even salt has become tasteless, then what will it be? What will it be seasoned? It is useless either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Who has ears to hear? Let him hear. What version are you reading? NASB. NASB. I don't know if I've ever heard. I I've, I've read it so many times. I've probably the manure pile. I'm like whoa. Like <laughs> I missed that part. Like uh. That's so this is a nice, easy to deal with passage, right? Hmm. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Dana asked me makes it easier. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. you're just going to be thrown in the middle of the Yeah. I caught it as I was like, Anyway, like, the, it, and I think part of the hard thing, and, and I think you've heard us talk about some of this stuff too, like this idea of, you know, uh, hate your mother, hate your father, hate your wife, hate your kids. It's like, whoa. Like, how is that, like, in line with Jesus? And I think when we, we look at it in the, in the uh, side of that we are to love Jesus so much and that we are to give our life and put him as supreme uh, of our life, um, then it almost feels like I'm neglecting this relationship because I'm focusing on my relationship with Jesus. Um, so, is it, you know, we used to, uh, so I used to have the kids call me a name. Do you remember what I used to have you guys call me? Really loud so everybody can hear me. Hear you, mommy. Something overlord. Yeah, Supreme Commander Overlord. So we used to walk through Walmart and if they wanted a piece of candy or something like that, they had to say, Supreme Commander Overlord. Uh, may I? Like really loud. And, uh, may so, I have a pack of m and Yeah, and I would say... Child yeah. service. Shut up. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> but, you know... It, <laughs> That's what we say. It's not really. It's not. I'm not Darth Vader. But the, the this. Uh, but but in in you know all joking aside, in our relationship with Jesus, that He is supreme commander over the Lord. Like He is my all. So therefore, when I put Him in, in charge and put Him first in my life, and all the things that He desires in my life, um, uh, then it almost feels like I'm I'm not I'm, I'm hating others because I love Him so much. Hopefully that makes sense. I think it's a tough concept to get. Um, I think when we put it in light of Matthew 6, 33, and that Matthew 6 passage, it starts to really kind of fill itself out. Like, who's got Matthew 6, 33? Then you got that one. Remember that one? Yeah, wait one sec. It's like, um, see, the secret kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Yeah, and there's like a grocery list, right, before there. It's like, this is the grocery list of the things that I'm going to, uh, uh, give you if you seek me first. If you seek my kingdom and my righteousness first, and all these things will be given to you. And it's and it is part of those relationships. It is part of being like you know even the hair on our heads counted. Um, so there, there's that's what God's uh, we're seeking first. Take care of us. Does that make sense? Good. Um, so Romans 12, 1 and two. You got those two. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to Him. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that by testing you may discern what is the good, perfect, and pleasing will of God. Yeah. 
it, it's it's our spiritual act of service to uh, do away with the world and not follow the world but follow Jesus. That's pretty intense. So you know, I was thinking like. Um, you guys hear my stories all the time, and some of you guys get to meet uh, Seth from uh, from Washington uh, when he came down. Uh, you know, his story was really like I feel like it fits really well in here. Resigning to God's plan. Um, you know, he was uh, so he's a military guy trying to figure out where he's going to go next, and he could uh, put in for going to Italy, uh, Colorado, or staying in this uh, the, the you know staying in Washington in Fort Lewis in this little product. No, one was Kansas. One was Kansas. Yeah, yeah. Which is even worse. Yeah. So he, uh, you know, this whole process, and it's like he's always dreamed of going to Italy, right? Like Italy, like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait. This is going to be great. Um, Ultimately, long story short, is that he resigned to God's plan, gave up his personal desire to go to Italy, and and went to. uh, I think he went to Colorado at that point. Um, or was that when he went to Fort, Fort Lewis? So he went to Kansas, and then eventually, like after he learned that he was going to Kansas, they yeah. switched up on him again. And they went. That's when. But he went still, to, his choice was to go to Kansas instead yeah. of Italy. Yeah, and the, the whole purpose <laughs> was. Been to Kansas. The whole purpose of his decision wasn't necessarily to uh, uh, to go there to enjoy the time. It was to go to be around men who were following Jesus, who were going to help him in his relationship with Jesus. Like, am I willing to resign to God's plan? Am I willing to make major changes in my life to say I'm going to follow what Jesus wants? Um, Am I willing to give up Italy for Colorado or Fort Lewis? Um, Am I willing to give up the big dreams to to follow through and and say I'm going to resign to what God wants? Um, All right. So, stage four. I think this is where, uh, this was probably one of the most difficult in my life. Isolation. This isolation, conflict, crisis. This this is where we've gone through, I've made lordship decisions, and now I start to feel like, man, this just doesn't work. Like, what is going on? Um, you know, and I think some of the attitudes that are here is uh, this, this idea, and hopefully I spell correctly, um, it's, it's this idea of uh, desperation that I am desperate to either find comfort in God or to walk away I'm going to make some major decisions is this really what I'm about is this really what I'm going to follow through with and I think it's that process it's like okay I've made some decisions to follow Jesus I'm going to resign to his plan and now just doesn't feel fun anymore. It doesn't. It just feels tough. Um, so, a couple passages and that we can look at. And again, I'm not gonna have us read everything because we could read basically all the Psalms, but we'll kind of pick on a couple of Psalms. So, if somebody wants to read like Psalms 73, it's a shorter one. But Psalm 69 through 71, and then Psalm 73, they really kind of all kind of play together. And, and I'll kind of, as you guys are kind of, if somebody's grabbing Psalm 73, kind of talk about some of the attitudes, and I'll kind of just walk through a little bit with Psalm 69 through 71. So, like, some of the attitudes, like, and when we're here, this desperation, 
you know, some of the things that, that may be going through my mind is, is where is God and why am I going through this? Uh, I, I'm, and I must find comfort in Him or I'm going to walk away from this thing. I'm going to hang up the keys and, and I'm done with my commitment to Jesus, to God. I'm going to go sit in, in, in a pew or I'm going to give it up. I'm not going to, I'm not going to continue this. Um, everybody's against me. My world's falling in. Things are falling apart. What am I going to do with it? Um, so in Psalm 69 to like 71, um, David is feeling like this, this feeling of sinking. Like he feels like he's just overwhelmed by the water, the sinking feeling. Things are going down. Uh, everyone and everything is out to get him. Um, like his world is falling apart. Uh, he feels like he's not done necessarily anything wrong, but there's still people coming after him. And he feels like there's got to be something, some kind of shame that's there. Something's happened um, is, is why this is occurring. Um, he feels like uh, he's, uh, he's desperate. He's desperate for God to, to uh, rescue him um, in this sinking feeling of the water. Um, he's looking for God to redeem him. Like in 69, 18 through 19, he says, um, redeem me. Um, you know my sin and my shame. And it, this, this desperation of God save me. Um, I was thinking through as I was looking at that, like where else is that prevalent in Scripture? And it took me to uh, Matthew 14, uh, 22, where uh, you know, Jesus is walking on the water, and they see him from the boat, and Peter's like, hey, is that, is that a ghost or is that you? Oh, is that you, Jesus? Can I walk on the water too? He's like, yeah, like, that sounds great. So Peter jumps out, and, you know, and he's like, yeah, let's walk on the water. So he's walking to Jesus, and there's a storm going on. And he turns and he sees the storm. He took his eyes off Jesus and he sees the storm and he begins to sink. Do you know what he says after as he's sinking? Uh, what's that? If Peter says as he's sinking? Lord, Lord save me. Lord save me. What, is, what does it say? There's a really key word. What happens when, what is Jesus' response? Are you okay? And he says immediately. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a That's a different passage. It's immediately... He reaches and grabs Peter's hand and pulls him up, and I think that that's where that's where uh, uh, David is feeling. He's like, "I am desperate for you. I am to the point where I just can't handle. I need you to save me and rescue me out of this." Um, Seventy-one is where David starts to say, "You know I what?" Need to say, "Oh, you little babe. Yeah. Later. Later. Yeah. Immediately. Immediately. Well, well you I, little face. You, you said little face. Oh, really great. Oh, yeah. 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 So the the. Uh, um, half point. Yeah, half point. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, so, you know, and, and David's basically saying, "Look, he's my, he is our help. He is my, um, um, he's my rescuer. He's my rock." Uh, so, so God is the one who's going to save me from this. And then we get to Psalm seventy-three. And I think there's, there's not a, um, if it's, is it a long one? I can't remember if it's a long chapter. If it's not, if it is, we'll kind of bypass it. I don't want to. What is it? Seventy-three. Yeah. Yes, it's long. It's long. So we'll, we'll bypass it. You guys read it on your own. Is 70 a good one? Because that one's real short. Oh, they're all good. Like, it's like it's just verses. like building and building and building. Then we get to 73, and he's like, uh, he's been feeling isolated that the wicked have been prospering, and he's he's almost, he says he's almost stumbling um, because of this situation. And I think that that's the isolation we feel like, man, everybody, it's, why God are you, why can I not get ahead when everybody else is, like, that dude is horrible. 
Like, why does he get that? Why does he get the car? And why does he get this? I don't. I'm doing all the right things. Um, you know, why is my world falling apart? And he gets to the point where um, he says that he was in verse 21 and, and 26. He says through 26, he says, "I was embittered. I was ignorant, like a beast before God. But the Lord is the one who receives and rescues me." Um, this idea that he's having a really, really hard time with God. But God still, even in the midst of him being a beast before him, God's his rescuer. And that's really where I think that as we kind of get into to the, this, this desperation, isolation, like what is the purpose of that? I think it's to get to a point where we are absolutely, God, I can't do this. I, I need you. It's not the people, it's you. Like I'm making these decisions. I've resigned to your plan, and I want to, I want to live this life for, for, for as long as you got me here. Um, you know, one of the things that, um, so for us, in my life, um, you know, I spent some time at Fort Campbell, um, and then we went to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I took a job in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and this job was, uh, we we had. The, the white picket, we literally had the, the house, the, uh, we literally had uh, the, the one and a half kids, we ended up having our second kid there, Josiah, you know, Jessica was pregnant, we had the white picket fence, we had the two cars, we had, we had the American, quote unquote American dream, literally, it was a white picket fence, and, and uh, I was working 60 to 80 hours a week, I was miserable, I felt like there was, this was a desert, there was nobody around, and um, I, I felt alone. I didn't know what to do. I knew I wanted to follow Jesus, but I didn't know how to do that. I felt everything was falling apart. I felt like I wasn't doing necessarily anything wrong, but I also felt like I wasn't necessarily doing everything right. Um, and I think that the thing that we went through, it, it, for me in my life at that time, it was the Hebrews 12, 11. Like it was, it was hard to go through that moment. Um, but we... Uh, we made a decision. I came home one day and I told Jessica, I was like, uh, we're, we're done. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm quitting the job. I don't care what we do next. We're done. We're going back to Clarksville and we're going to go back around people that I know are trying to pursue Jesus because I want to live my life pursuing Jesus. Um, and it, it, in these moments of isolation, and it's a decision that we have to make. Am I going to continue through the discipline that really sucks? To go through to get the uh, the pleasant fruit afterwards, um, and so for us, we made that we gave it all up, took a huge cut in our uh, finances, and moved to a small little tiny house and have three kids at that time. And um, but it was some of the best time we had, even though it was some of the most difficult time, because of what came out of it, um, because the fruit came out. You know, some of the things and struggles that. Um, you know, we have here in isolation, um, you know, we have uh, the sense of separation, um, sorrow. Like, uh, I think sometimes we feel bad for ourselves. Um, this, uh, we sometimes will feel frustrated. So we'll feel frustration. Oh, why is this happening to me? All right. So either I'm not talking fast enough, you guys aren't listening fast enough, right? One, two. Um, the last stage, well, I want to say last stage, but the next stage, um, is uh, that we are uh, recognizing um, my, my propensity, it's a big word for me, 
my propensity to sin and my inadequacy as a, as a servant of God. So uh, that's my, I think it's still, what was it? Inad, inadequacy, that's what that is. All right, so this is like, you know, I'm recognizing that I am inadequate. I, I cannot do this without, without Jesus. So uh, Philippians 3, verses uh, 12 through 16. So again, I will kind of just like hit some of these. And, um, so Philippians 3, 12 through 16, I think that's a good one for us to hit. So if somebody gets to that, we'll let me know when we're going to do that. You know, in this area, in this like attitude, in this phase of life, um, I, I remain a sinner, um, and I'm wholly dependent upon the grace and mercy of God for all that I do. Um, this is uh, this sense of complete, um, not being complete, but the sense of complete rest and abandonment of me. Complete rest in Jesus and abandonment. Complete rest in Jesus and a complete abandonment of me. Um, so Psalms 3 verses 12 through 16 somebody's got that Philippians Philippians, Philippians that's what I mean, sorry yeah. it starts with a P close <laughs> for the Psalms it doesn't sound like a P Philippians 3 12 through 16 not that I have already, not from the thing, phonetically, that was the word I was thinking of. And ironically, phonetically, it doesn't start, doesn't sound like it starts with a P either. Anyway, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and then straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. Yeah, so like, you know, that we are going to press on and lay hold of Jesus. Like, I'm, I'm done with all this junk I've had to go through, and I'm going to hold on to Jesus. It's, it's all Him. Um, I've not arrived. I've not got complete in who I am, but I've got complete rest in Jesus and I'm totally trying to abandon myself. And I am uh, you know, pressing on towards a goal, reaching forward. I'm not dwelling and living in my sin and in my inadequacy. I'm resting and relying on Jesus to, to take me forward. Um, like this is where we want to get to. Like this is like this is growth. This is where obedience really starts to be kind of, ah, okay. Um, I get it. I understand. I need to abandon me to go after him. Um, So it's interesting, like in the last part of that passage, he's like, um, uh, if you believe you have attained, uh, well, God will reveal to you um, that you have not, is basically what he's saying. Like, if we think we've com we were, we're complete uh, and we're not inadequate, uh, he's going to reveal it to us because we're going to go all the way back through this mess to get back to it. Um, Romans 7, 13 through 8, 4. Not going to read it because sake of time. Basically, I'll kind of hit some highlights. Sin perverts the law. Um, the, uh, the law is spiritual, and the flesh, and I am flesh. 
and I'm sold into the bondage of sin. Like, I'm a sinner. Like, that's just it. I'm going to be hypocritical. I am uh, inadequate. I am not Jesus. Um, uh, but Paul talks about, um, I do the very things I do not want to do, and I do not do the very things I want to do. And I think, man, I, like, I wait for that one. That's, that's me. But what he does is he says, but I confess and I agree with the law before God. Can I confess myself and confess where I fall short? And can I agree with God? Yep, that's what's right. I'm going to follow that. Um, and I think it's putting our, I think when we get to the stage of obedience in this, this part, we begin to see ourselves in proper perspective with who we are before Jesus and before God. Um, he's going to talk about later on, like in verse 23, like there is a war inside of his body. His, um, you know, his limbs are at war with his heart to follow Jesus. Like this war, that a spiritual warfare that, man, it's, it's a war to go and do the right things and not sin and not give in to my own desires. It's a war. And I think it's recognizing like, man, this is a war and some battles I'm going to lose, but ultimately God is going to be the, the victor in, in the war. Um, you know, and Paul is, the way Paul is fighting this war uh, is he's fighting the war um, by serving God um, in the midst of this, this battle he has with sin. Um, and he realizes that Jesus is going to set us free from, from the law of sin. Jesus paid the cost. He paid the, uh, um, he fulfilled the requirements of the law. Um, I think there's so much there. I mean, we could just, so much stuff. Um, and then like Romans 8, 37 through 39, Paul's going to say, look, we've overwhelmingly conquered um, this thing uh, through Jesus. And nothing's going to separate me from him. We're good. Um, because I finally got proper perspective on how I'm to live. I'm finally complete in my rest in him. And I understand that I'm abandoning myself. And I understand I'm inadequate in who I am. Uh, but for the sake of Jesus, I can now stand before God and um, have that relationship. So I think some of the, you know, as we talk about like some of the things we think through in this phase, like I remain a sinner, wholly independent upon the grace and mercy that God has done for me. Um, and that's where I live. The, uh, I think Paul is going to address right before this in Romans 6, like this doesn't mean like, okay, license of sin, I'm good. In fact, 6, 1 and 2, he's like, uh, sin no more. Um, don't, you know, the goal is not to sin. The goal is to become more like Jesus. It's just recognizing that I have this war. I'm going to lose some battles. Um, so the uh, last part is really, you know, going back to that John 3, 30. Like, this is... Uh, uh, me decrease and him increase. Um, oh, some of the struggles, like as we kind of get into that point of where we got complete rest in him and I'm totally abandoning myself. Like I'm struggling with, with my faithfulness. I'm struggling with, with my um, impure motives. I'm struggling with you know, my sin. Like I'm struggling with making sure that I'm doing and trying to conquer and fight that battle inside of me every day. Because this is ultimately, this is where growth happens, like as we kind of run this, this gamut. Um, so I think it's a summary of how we develop obedience, how we develop growth. 
Um, it's not the end all be all. I think it's a huge piece of the puzzle. I think it fits in with like, how do I glorify God? Man, I am trying to, to live like him uh, in, in the midst of um, my life here. And I'm trying to uh, uh, let other people see it. I think uh, you know, going back to like that process of me decreasing and him increasing, like that process of, of trusting in God's word and what God says is true and therefore I should follow it because it's true, not because I think I know better, but or it sounds cool, it's because it's true. You know, kind of, um, I think some of you guys have heard me share like this, uh, this principle of like with my kids, like I tell them, you know, tell them, don't play, don't go play in the street. There's no cars coming. Why would dad tell me not to play in the street? Um, doesn't make any sense. Like, there's nothing wrong with playing in the street because there's nothing, there's, there's nothing, no, I don't see any danger with playing in the street. Um, so, and then it's, uh, the disobedience is when the child goes into the street. It's like, well, nothing happened to me. Uh, and it reminded me of a, a joke that Addie shared with me the other day. Um, she shared with me that she's like, um, she was telling me that the, uh, uh, she uh, she didn't understand why the frisbee kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it hit her. <laughs> it's like sometimes when we get into the does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Just, sometimes we and when we get in the street we don't realize and man the car is coming it's getting bigger and bigger until it hits us and bam ah that's probably why Dad told me not to go play in the street. That's probably why God told you not to be unequally yoked. That's probably why God is telling you. Uh, don't be a drunkard. That's probably why God is telling you to put Him first in your heart and Him first in your life. It's probably why God is going to say, and the the full uh, the the law of the prophets are summed up in these two things: love the Lord your God with all your mind, your heart, and soul, and love people as yourself. There's probably a reason, and I think it's developing the trust to say, I I trust that. Okay, now I see that. I can. I think that that's a trust development. Obedience is trusting. It's a development of trust to say, yep, you know better and I know less. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to continue to be encouraged, please hit subscribe and be sure to go and like us on Facebook or Instagram. And of course, if you want more content like this, please visit us at the Columbus Bible Study Podcast.wordpress.com. God bless and take care.